Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Traders Rahap Up podcast. We are officially off hiatus in a brand new season, talking Traders UK season two today. I am, of course, your host, the Duke of Deception, the Sultan of Suspicion, Puyazen Vakili, back here to break things down for this brand new season. And with a brand new season, I am so happy to introduce my brand new lovely co-host talking all things Trader UK with me this season. It is the one and only, the best faithful to ever do it. It is Annabelle from AU Season 2 of Traders. Annabelle, how are you doing? Hi, hi, hi. I feel like I need a lot more titles because you just have so many, Puya, and I, I, I really need to up my game. Um, I, hey, let's we want to work on it right now. What, what would your title be? What would you like? Mm, I know. I think I'm going to need to stew on this one a little bit. Okay. After all of the very dodgy names, I mean, come on, we're going to have to talk about Flappy Flaps the Puffin later. Um, I, I'm not, I wasn't given a lot of inspiration. Okay, well, we have lots of time here on this season, so we'll definitely circle back and check on that later. Annabelle, I have been very excited for this project for us. It's been a long time coming. Basically, after watching you on but two episodes of Australia, I knew who I was going to ask to be my co-host for UK, and I'm so thankful we are here now. Oh, I am over the moon. Maybe it's just the kind of paranoia that I'm still recovering from after my season. But every week I, I've been concerned you were going to break up with me and replace me with a better faithful. But no, we stayed true, unlike some of my castmates. You point them out to me. You point out the better faithful and then we'll talk because I don't think they exist at the moment. OK. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Diane could be coming for my wig. <laughs> Listen, Diane is going to be. I, okay. I'm so floored because I really didn't know what Dan's longevity was going to be after episode one. And now I'm like, you may not get rid of Diane. Diane is an integral part of the show and must be protected at all costs. Gay Twitter has lost their mind over Diane. I. I still don't know where I sit in the Diane fandom. I am obsessed with her. I can't shake this vision of her at the Country Women's Association, sort of sitting in the corner, glowering at Karen because she brought store-bought scones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's just such an icon. She really is. And I. it was a blindside for me. This season... We have really just turned the notch to 10 and just left it there. It really feels like because they've added a couple things. They've changed some things and I'm so here for all of it. I don't really think I have a complaint here today. No, I really like that the UK season isn't afraid to kind of own this franchise as theirs. Um, and I think that the new shield twist that they've brought in is really cool. I was shooketh when they decided to do the whole secret pair twist again. I never saw that coming. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for an all newbie cast, it's really strong. It really is. So we upped the, uh, we went 22 people no one getting kicked out at the beginning, all of them playing, which I'm very happy about more personalities to get to know. I think the casting across the board has been a lot of fun. I'm already mourning the losses that we've had in the season which is a lot to say after you've only seen some people for an episode, episode and a half. And also 
I absolutely love the twist they did at the beginning with the traders. Little behind the scenes for you, Annabelle. So we did a little thing called Traders RIP this past weekend, which is a good bit of fun. Um, when they were organizing it, they called me to pick my brain on stuff. And I pitched this idea to them of how about you start with two traders and then at the end of the first banishment, have them recruit one. The fact that then a week later it happens on UK, I thought, okay, listen, maybe I know what made me feel validated more than anything. And I really love the way they went about it. I love the person they ended up recruiting. And I am just so pumped and I'm buzzing to get to talk about all this with you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you actually manifested this. What a great idea. I I do think that twist kind of further disadvantaged Ash, which we can talk about when we get there. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a really, really cool concept. Yeah, I definitely do think so as well. So, and, and you know, you said this at the beginning here where Traders UK isn't afraid to own that, hey, this is our show and the rest of you are borrowing from it because it really feels that way. Just the intro shot with the train, the music choice they have for the franchise they've nailed, I feel like. The characters, it really feels like this is a Traders UK uh, property and the rest of us are kind of like, borrowing skimming and and adapting totally totally um even though technically i think it came out in australia first the traitors is a uk show claudia is the jeff probes of the traitors mm -hmm. no, no not even a little bit not even at all and now we have a big cast. So obviously, and, and some of these cast members are going to end up having more spotlight on them these first three episodes than others. Um, out the gate, who's been your biggest standout here? Oh, I mean, I think we've got to start with Paul. Paul is kind of the, the anti-hero, I think, of the show. He's been a very divisive character online. Some people adore him. Some people think he's a sociopath. But he's certainly <laughs> been the main character. I think that's a fair assessment. Paul ends up being one of our, by the end of episode, uh, start of episode two, four traders here. And I really do think he has kind of become the main narrator, not just because of the fact that he's part of the traders, but also in one of the challenges, shout out Peridium, he was named the most popular amongst the bunch. And we're seeing nothing but faithful saying that they fully trust him. Totally. And Paul is someone who feels very familiar to me. He is a sales bro. And not is he just a sales bro, Puya. He's a telecom sales bro. Tell me more. Um, so the fact that he feels, I mean, you kind of have people who have solid social skills and then you have people who have built careers out of being ultra charismatic and controlling social situations. Um, and sometimes a certain kind of man is drawn to that career. And Paul is that in a nutshell. Um, and this is why I think my running theory that gay women are really good faithfuls um, <laughs> kind of comes into play because they can smell Paul's BS from a mile away, right? But, <laughs> but him, and, him and Harry have the majority of this cast wrapped around their finger. I don't think Paul's sociopathic. 
I just think Paul is a, a total sales bro. I'm concerned, though, that the confidence is going to get to him midseason. I think I do think hubris can play a huge disadvantage, especially once the cast gets trimmed up a little, which with 22 people, there's a lot of places to hide at the very beginning. But I definitely do co-sign what you're saying in that I do think I could see him getting a little too confident at points and we'll see how that plays against him. The other person you mentioned in Harry is interesting because Harry is one of our young. So Paul is in the middle of the, uh, the as far as age goes. He's 36. Harry's 22. He's, I think, the second youngest person on the cast. And I misread him at the beginning. I thought he is not going to have a good head about him. I thought he was going to get caught, especially when the blindfolds came off and Diane was like, are you okay? You seem nervous. I thought, okay, Harry's curtains already, but he's been impressing me quite a bit. Yeah, he does have the potential to do really well. And, you know, we see this conversation with him and and the other faithful. I think it's in episode three where he's saying, oh, you know, I'm just worried that if I if I talk too much, I'm going to stand out. And everyone rallies and reassures him. No, Harry, everyone trusts you. You feel confident, girl. You express your opinions. My concern with Harry Puya, there's two things. First Mm -hmm. of all, it is impossible to play ditzy and unintelligent if you are actually incredibly intelligent. People always see straight through it. So if you are successfully pulling off naive, that means to some degree you are kind of naive. And I'm Mm -hmm. worried that with Harry's closeness with Paul, and we see them bond immediately, that Harry is going to let Paul dictate the murders, let Paul cut Harry's friends, and Harry is not going to realize how under the thumb he is. Right. By the time he wakes up, it might be a little too late and he gets sniped next. I could totally see that. They are really close so much so that in the which I think a lot of people are very excited for us to talk about this in the banishment with the tiebreaker. They just shared a look and then decided they're voting Ash. That's how close they are. I don't know if I'd figure that out just looking at Liana in the eyes. I might even mess up there. Yeah, absolutely. And and when they see each other in Traitor's Tower, they're stoked. They think it's just the two of them and they're they're going to get to pick the third together. Ash was cooked from that moment. She's already the odd one out. She's already the the third. Yeah, and then that brings us to our third traitor here, Ash, 45 years old, events coordinator. Ash has had a bad start. I would say, and not even through anything she had done out the gate, being kind of in the middle of this brogade with Harry and Paul for starters, and then getting the random throwaway from Sonia of you a traitor and playing that off bad. I feel like she's kind of been on the back foot for a little bit here. And I genuinely thought that she would potentially have them recruit someone that would help her more than hurt her, which I don't think Miles is hurting her any, but I think that. Miles isn't actively an asset to specifically Ash either. No. So uh, when they were trying to choose who they were going to make their recruit in the fourth traitor, I was thinking it makes absolute perfect sense for Harry and Paul to recruit a man. 
because um, when, say, one or, or even two men go out, no one's going to assume that there's three men and, and one woman. In fact, they probably think there's three traitors. There's no way that they're going to think that it's that male dominated. So it was always going to behoove them to recruit a man. For Ash, she needed a woman to try and pad that out. Not only did she need a woman, she needed someone she was really close with to kind of even out um, that power dynamic in Traitor's Tower. Yeah, so who would you say, let's say there's a redo, who would you say would have been her best recruitment here? See, that's interesting because the only known alliance that we've been shown in in the game is kind of between the golden gals. Mm -hmm. So we know that Diane, Sonia, um, and also Aubrey were a really tight three. I think there was also a fourth person in there as well. Um, so it, it can't be anyone there and then she's also got the the bros up in traitor's tower with her we haven't really had an opportunity to see who she's tight with other than anthony and that that wouldn't be doing her any favors either mm -hmm. i think that would even help the paul and harry more even uh, in a way almost given how much people are looking at anthony as of right now a little less by the end of episode three but still some Annabelle, I don't think we can proceed any further into the uh, conversation here without talking about our first fallen character who we literally were robbed of seeing more of. I was so pumped when we got to meet Aubrey and the cat that is named Luther Vanders. I was so pumped and Aubrey was snatched away from us almost immediately. Aubrey is an icon, and I disavow everyone who has had anything critical to say about Aubrey. Aubrey and Luther Vandross, what an icon. And the biggest crime in these first three episodes wasn't the murders. It wasn't flappy flaps, which I am pissed off about. <laughs> it was Aubrey's super unflattering breakfast room photo. What was with that? They did. Aubrey dirty and they did us dirty by not giving us more Aubrey I truly don't know who I would have wanted them to go take out in, in his stead but I was so excited to get to know this retired shop owner I think that was the, the eldest um, person in the in the traders this season at 67 I was so excited oh he was the absolute moment and we've definitely been robbed by not getting more of him unfortunately was not to be but you know, let's speak about the this alliance that you mentioned, the Golden Gals in uh, Sonia. Sonia, I thought was a very fun character, and I truly, part of me was hoping they recruit Sonia as the fourth a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, that would have been hilarious. I I thought Sonia was a real crack up. Um, <laughs> I love that she goes in there. She's like, I'm not even a traitor, but I'm not going to miss this opportunity to be the drama. <laughs> And listen, she held back no punches. She she did enough that a lot of people were looking at her by the uh, first banishment, first roundtable here. But she provided a lot of entertainment in her short time in the uh, manor. Totally. She wasn't afraid to be the most. I mean, that is that alliance in itself is just pure chaos. You've got Aubrey who's running around telling everyone that he knows who the traitors are, but he's not going to tell you who. <laughs> Sonia, who's getting all up in the actual trader's face at breakfast, being like, so 
You're a traitor, huh? And then you've got Diane, where we exclusively have shots of her sitting in the corner, glowering at everybody. <laughs> Diane not only can't hide it on her face, but she doesn't hide it from her lips either. If she thinks something's up, she will voice it and she'll voice it proud. Now, let's speak with Di- about Diane because... The reveal in episode three is right up there for me because they had me fooled because we hear at the end of was it end of episode two or end of one of the night cycles, Zach and Andrew are talking and Zach's like, listen, I think there's a mother son pairing in here. I think Diane and Paul are mother son. And then Andrew takes this immediately to Dan and says, you wonder what's ridiculous. He thinks there's a mother son pairing here. And Dan says, listen, that is absolutely ridiculous in confessional yeah i he is not my son but ross is and my mind exploded i love i cannot stress enough how much i love that they held on to this and just let diane be diane for three episodes before telling us that diane and ross are both in here together this reveal was incredible. I got shivers during that reveal, and it was such a dramatic reveal. I just got shivers again when you described it, Puya. <laughs> this was awesome. And their dynamic, hysterical. When Ross is talking about how trash his mum's Sunday roast is, and Diane's like, well, you'll have to come to my house then, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> And they, I love that they took shots from and flashed back to when they had first talked on the train, which we saw, but they added all the moments they took out of her saying, well, you can't call me the other names you call. You have to call me Diane. And he's like, yeah, no, it's going to be weird. I adored this so much. And the fact is the cherry on top that Zach thinks Diane is in a mother son relationship with somebody in this house, but that Zach has it completely wrong. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of people giving Zach a lot of credit for this. Um, I feel like ever since the boyfriend-girlfriend duo in Traitors UK, mm-hmm. everyone in these games has been looking out for a pair. I know in my season, people were constantly trying to suss out, you know, who do we think is secretly related? I think there was an element amongst that in the cast in, in Traitors Canada. M- my personal attitude was always, look, they did it once. This is not going to be a thing that they bother doing again, kind of like the lineup outside the front of the, the manor we saw at the start. For them to bring this, actually bring this back a second time is wild. And the way Zach's like, well, those two are both gingers. They're gingers from Ireland. Diane's like, I'm not even a natural ginger. <laughs> Like she dispelled the rumor immediately. And and that's the thing. I feel like this is one of those things, like you said, where they did a stunt cast and then people start looking at it. But also I feel like in this manner, you're probably thinking a hundred things. You're not sharing them out loud. You're bound to get one of them semi right, even if whether you voice it or not. And Zach happened to voice it and pick Diane and Paul and something as simplistic as same hair color ended up being true, but with someone completely different. So what happens when when they reveal that Diane and Ross does Zach say, I knew it? No, there's you did not know anything. I think you'll find that Zach's actually a highly intelligent, super genius Puya. And look, maybe his social skills are a little bit lacking, but he knows what's up. Listen, Zach loves himself. He calls himself a wind-up merchant. And let me tell you, amongst my friends, I'm a bit of a wind-up merchant myself. But I also know that if no one else is winding me right back up or laughing, drop it. 
please, for the love of God, stop. Zach can't help himself. I feel like Zach is actively getting in his own way for a couple of laughs that he's farming for himself. <laughs> Zach is not a traitor. He's just a bit of a D-bag. Uh, almost <laughs> certainly an F-boy as well. And I feel for Zach, I mean, this is a problem I've had where, you know, I- I'm a very assertive person, Puya. If I have a thought, I'll express that thought. And in my day-to-day life, I just assume that people will push back if they disagree. And it really wasn't until I started playing these kind of games online and in real life that I realized, oh, no, it's just that in real life, people don't have a mechanism to force you out of the room if they don't want you there anymore. And now Zach is leaving his tight-knit community. And people are telling him for the first time, Zach, shut up. You do you realize how much you would have had to wind people up to the point where you caught enough stray votes that you're in a three-way tie at the second round table of the season? If this doesn't get him to dial it back, nothing will. Let's be honest. I don't think he can help himself. And the way people are like. Zach, you just giggle every time we're in a high pressure situation. You know, you're cracking gags and and you know, panicking at, at and making mean comments to people. He seems to have offended most people in the manner, and people are either taking that personally or people are saying, Well, I guess that's Zach. He's mm-hmm. just kind of mean. It's him. Zach's gonna Zach and and here's the thing I was giving him leeway at the beginning when he said though I'm gonna sleep well tonight and everyone's like oh my god he said the thing you're not supposed to say he's probably bad and I thought come on y'all let's stop let's stop pulling at these random threads it doesn't mean anything and then it was like well they're getting us a ro- whatever roast dinner and he says well it might be your last supper and i think it was to charlotte charlotte did not like that at that point i was like all right zach's gonna get in his own way but also credit to him i don't think there's any shot this guy gets murdered anytime soon totally zach is a hundred percent safe from murder which is only going to make him look more like a traitor and and to those throwaway comments i mean that is something that you can get away with if people trust you and people like you. But if people don't trust you and people don't particularly like you, mm-hmm. they are going to latch on to every tiny throwaway remark that you make and use that as an excuse to banish you. I, I can't see Zach making it to the end. He's totally someone I would love playing with in one of these games, but I, I don't see him taking home the money. All right. Well, when they do Traders Global season one and you and Zach are both on the cast, I can't wait to see how that interaction goes. I'm here for it. I'm like a moth to the flame when it comes to the D-bags, Puya. <laughs> do they find you or you find them? <laughs> <laughs> We're like magnets. <laughs> <laughs> Zoop. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um, speaking of, again, using things out of thin air, can we talk about Diane's initial sus on Anthony being when we were trying to line up outside the manor day one, before we even got inside, Anthony wouldn't move to let me stand in the middle. And that made me suspicious of him. He seems selfish. 
this was so problematic to me because it's not clearly like Anthony is not going to have been the only person not letting her in in that situation, right? Like there has to be someone either side of Anthony right. that also could have moved. Um, Diane does not seem to like Anthony and by stretch does not seem to like Ash either. I don't know. My red flags were going up here with Diane. And, and more so, right, this is before the traitor's selection. I don't think at any point Diane is really pushing that Ant- that this is evidence that Anthony is a traitor. She's using this as evidence to say Anthony is fundamentally not a nice person. He is selfish. He is here for himself, regardless of whether or not he's a traitor. We shouldn't want to play the game with him. It, it gave me the it. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't blame you because I feel like si- something similar could be said in a different way and it's taken completely fine where I think back to the most recent show I've covered which is Traders Canada and Kevin Martin kind of voicing out loud of uh, yeah but if I'm working with a faithful that's not going to vote to keep and work with me throughout the game you're no good to my game and you can say it like that from a game point and it's fine but to then be like more of a little bit more of a character assassination of nah, this guy's selfish. He has an ego. He's not going to be good for anyone. He's just a bad seed that we need to get rid of. No, that leave the character development stuff out of here. Also, I'm sorry, but Tracy did an observation of Anthony and Anthony seems great now. Oh my gosh. I was deceased. That was so funny with Tracy. (laughs) I, I love a psychic Puya. I am pro having a psychic clairvoyant on every season. Legally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bake it into the constitution. Tracy's reading of Anthony. Anthony, I sense that what happened to you as a child made you the adult you are today. Have you ever heard anything more generic in your life? I mean, say that to Anthony. He was like, you know what? You're right. That one moment, that's what made me who I am today. And I couldn't tell if he was trying to be like, see everyone, I get along with anybody. But I did feel like it was vague because didn't Tracy initially give a different star sign to what Anthony actually is as well? Yeah, yeah, she did. And and it it seemed to have put people a little bit offside. I mean, I know Charlotte was watching that. And I think we also get a confessional from Anthony where they say, look, I don't really feel like I can be comfortable or myself around Tracy. It puts my back up a little bit. I don't know if it's because she's a psychic and she's going to be really looking into things, but I, I, I don't think we're going to see the same success um, from Tracy as we have with our other standout clairvoyant. Success being the operative word. And I think I co-signed that with you right here. Now, we did talk a little bit at the beginning about some format changes here. They've added a couple extra rooms here. And I think the kitchen is the one that we're really getting mileage out of. And I'm pretty sure that uh, upcoming Traders US Season 2 also has something similar in. What did you think of the new space? It was glam. The castle got a renovation, an upgrade. The chairs are looking plush. When Jasmine arrived and she's like, I'm sorry, Claudia, baddie, but it's the castle that is blowing me away right now. I'm like, girl, same. 
Yeah, I love it. I love the revamp they did. Now, obviously, having you covering so many shows throughout the years, I forget some things. But did we always see in Traders UK? Did we always see them leave the manor and go away for for nighttime, or was it always edited to make it seem like they sleep there? Because I feel like they've been a lot more obvious of like they're getting in the car and going somewhere else to, to sleep. No, the, the Traitors UK was always transparent about the fact that they didn't sleep Love there. That. In the first, yeah, the first season as well, you would get those nighttime church bells and that's cue everyone gets in the car, goes back to the hotel. Okay, well, speaking of things coming back, um, Claudia's back for season two and she has been number one on my list of hosts from the minute I saw her and that is not changing anytime soon. Oh, I really love her. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm also obsessed with Kareen from the the Canadian version. Mm -hmm. But Claudia, she is such a baddie. And I like how invested she seems in the people as well. When we see her screeching at them in the missions about how poorly they're doing. She, She was giving me Peridium in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, And everyone should strive to give some Peridium when they can. It's needed. Speaking Absolutely. Of Peridium, I, I, go ahead. Yes. Go no, ahead. I wanted to I wanted to circle back just for a minute about the whole Diane Anthony of it all because in mm-hmm. that conversation we see uh, there was just a little bit of hypocrisy there. I mean, Paul and and Harry were suggesting that if people were traitors, they wouldn't be talking to each other or linked really closely. I mean, I think they were using that when they were talking about Andrew. But then Diane comes in and uses the fact that Anthony and Ash are always talking as a justification for Ash being a traitor. Um, and in in that conversation as well, sorry, I'm throwing a lot of a lot of things here in this convo. Run with it. We we only ever see Harry standing up for Ash. We never actually see Paul stepping in to particularly protect her or Miles. And I think that that is also another piece which is putting her so firmly on the bottom of these four. We have these chaotic faithful like Diane who are using conflicting justifications and the only group of people who seem to be making coordinated attacks are the four traitors and Ash is kind of being left out. Yeah, I do feel like there is very clear lines where I think Ash from the minute Miles gets brought in, Ash is kind of there. Yeah, we can send out Ash whenever we need to. And I think they're very okay with it. I think Paul's confessional at the tiebreak vote is the most biggest indicator of this, where he says, Ash is just not a good traitor. What can I say? She's playing it poorly. And then just votes her out, uh, which we don't know yet if Ash is going to go out or if Brian is, which we haven't talked about Brian yet. Oh, my God. But back to Ash here. I feel like Ash, again, was kind of doomed from the start and then got some of the Sonya sus on her and then has not really been able to shake that off. And now anytime anyone has any connections to other people, they're kind of also pushing Ash into it. And the these other traders have no interest in um getting in the line of defense. And I feel like for them, it's almost there's this understanding is how I'm feeling, which is, well, we're not going to do this to each other. But if one has to go, Ash is probably the one we're going to be willing to cut here. 
Totally. It, the voting blocks or, or the cliques haven't been made apparent to us yet, except for the golden gals who are kind of floating Ash's name out there. And then the traitor bros who we see do turn on her. Um, so I, I'm totally with you. I don't think it's that Ash has been a bad traitor. I think that she's just on the bottom of, of that pecking order and there's no one really sticking their neck out for her. Yeah, I feel like the most we're hearing about Ash, especially when people were talking about her at the roundtable and some of the reasonings for voting her, is that it sounds to me like Ash has a lot of questions and talks a lot about who do you think is a traitor or what what is the lay of the land. But I feel like everyone's doing this, but I feel like what I'm getting, because we're not seeing everything, is that is Ash maybe asking a lot and not contributing a lot? Could this be something that... Um, people are looking at and then also i don't remember who voted ash and then cited i felt like you were trying to manipulate me with uh, asking me questions so i voted you of um is ash getting doomed because uh people are floating the other traders names and she is moving the needle away from them because that would hurt even more yeah that was evie who said that no you're right i mean i think maybe she's just not not managing those social conversations and building the relationships in the same way someone like, say, Paul is. But to the same token, Aubrey as well. This is why I thought Aubrey was a bad murder choice. Um, Sure, it is threatening to the traitors if you have somebody out there who is being really observant and then isn't sharing what they're thinking with you. But that's also threatening to the faithful as well. If you don't know where someone is going to vote in the banishment and you don't know what they're thinking, then it could be you. So, I mean, yeah, the golden gals were with him, but for everybody else there, I think Aubrey could have been high on the early banishment list. I think so too. I feel like they they could have benefited from getting rid of someone who is a lot more silent. You're not giving anything away. And if you don't have a link to them, then it's kind of the perfect crime because some of these vocal players, well, some of them are going to be really good detectives and they're going to potentially suss you out and you don't want that. But then some of them are going to just speak themselves onto the block essentially and onto banishment. So, and I, again, because it's an edited show and we don't get to see everybody, um, there's a little bit of unknown. Maybe some people are being more vocal and they're supremely under-edited. But I could have seen someone like Meg get murdered first and it would have probably been a better move for them. Yeah, and uh, look, particularly on that second murder, I thought it was completely mad not to mm-hmm. murder Diane. Love Diane would have been terrible for us as viewers. I could understand the first time round, right? Because the only traitor she's pointing the finger at is Harry. Right. But by the time, by the time we get to the second murder, Diane is pointing fingers at Ash and Harry. And by the time we get to episode three, she's really kind of drumming this up. Diane needed to go, I think, at that second murder. Do you think that Diane was kept in because she was talking about Anthony and they thought that's where she was going to go? I think so. And they also said, look, they also said, look, um, you know, now she doesn't have any friends anymore. Sonia banished, Aubrey uh, murdered. She's, you know, who has she got left here? But I think that they're underestimating the power of 
having your name out there. And once she is correct with one, I, I'm concerned that she's going to start building a bit of influence. Obviously, they don't know that she's tied to Ross, but we, we saw this over in the Canadian version. Some, if someone is being this bang on, they can be poisoned for you as traitors. Right. Also, I want to recant something I said earlier. I said Zach caught votes in the tie vote. Uh, Zach caught a couple, but he was not in the tie vote. That is a my bad. Very close, though. It was very close to the tie vote there. Uh, but Diane, to I guess, ultimately, to their credit, is part of the tied vote of four to four to four alongside Ash. And I genuinely didn't expect her to catch heat for celebrating that uh, Sonia was a faithful because I kind of understood her logic of, well, if she's a traitor, you're going to look at me and think I'm a traitor, too. And I would have been blindsided. Exactly. Um, no, you're not. You're not wrong. And I think that comment kind of goes back to what I said before, where you, you can get away with saying that sort of thing if people like you. But <laughs> Diane is losing mm. friends. Diane does have smug country women's association energy. And I think people were looking for excuses. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Now, I want to take a quick little break from talking about Diane and the traders because we met someone, I would argue, episode three. And I don't know who this man is because he was kind of put in the spotlight and then immediately had probably the wildest roundtable I've seen anyone experience. Can we speak about Brian now? <laughs> Oh, Brian. Okay. I thought I met Brian a lot earlier because it took me these three episodes to work out that Brian and Ross were two separate people. Um, <laughs> but oh, little darling, he fell apart. I had high hopes for him coming into this when I was reading the bios, saw he was a big werewolves player. I thought, okay, here's my game bot. Here's a guy who probably did his homework. But not a lot can prepare you for the very intense conflict situation, which is the banishment roundtable. There's not, for most people, you aren't in situations where people are hurling kind of personal attacks at you or accusing you of being a liar. And I sense that Brian doesn't have a lot of high drama friends like some of us do who regularly put you in this situation at the dinner table. Right. Because I feel like, so I looked up my, I've been control effing my notes to jump around when I need to. And I had Brian's name twice before this last challenge. The first time was when Brian got introduced and I wrote down that he's a photographer. The second time was when he voted Sonia out. The third time was who is the biggest sheep, Brian or Molly. And after that, I have his name in here 25 more times. And it all goes downhill from the minute the challenge asked who is the biggest sheep brian or molly he seemed like he was unfazed by it initially but annabelle i think the paranoia just mounted on from there because he went from oh they're wrong it's, it's a little defeating to see that but you know what i'm gonna be vocal at this next round table i'm gonna kind of dictate where we go and kind of i thought oh my god brian's about to become this very confident person and then it kind of went the complete opposite where he started talking people started looking at him he got very protected and then right as claudia was about to wrap it up he's like uh actually can i can i just get a, a selfish moment and find out 
who is and is not looking at me, maybe, and it just threw everyone for a loop. Oh, Brian, I, I this has got to be the worst roundtable performance we've seen. Um, I, when he was revealed to be the biggest sheep during the mission, I was stoked for him. I thought, perfect. You're not perceived as a threat by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our man who is going all the way to the end, and he's just got to get the traitors right in the last episode. I, I disagree with you when you say you thought he wasn't that phased by it, because no one says I'm not phazed by it that many times. <laughs> well, it, when he said it the it. first time, I fully bought it. <laughs> it depleted I, more and more after. I mean, if you if you are really into these kind of games and you come in, this is your big opportunity. And in the first couple of days, you basically find out oh, I'm probably getting the dodo edit. Everyone's looking at me and they think I'm a total nothing burger. That must be a bit of a slap in the face. His comeback was not a comeback. (laughs) It went from, it could be a dodo edit to, oh, it's the biggest dodo edit you've ever seen at a round table ever. So on one hand, it's worse, but on the other hand, it's historical. So kind of good ultimately because your name is in the history books but at what cost because you might go here at a tiebreaker when you shouldn't have <laughs> just just so you know Puya, he totally doesn't care that he was voted a sheep but just so you know he's definitely not a sheep um <laughs> just a little moment for me here raise your hand who thinks i'm a sheep who thinks i'm a traitor <laughs> oh my god i'm having a meltdown my favorite part of this whole thing was when the three of them who were in a tie got a moment to justify themselves Ash Same. and Diane nail the assignment and Brian just starts blubbing he's like I, I didn't expect to react like this I, I thought I was confident I'm crumbling I'm gutted I should be having fun I'm like Brian deep breath tell them you're not a traitor he really is giving the meme of the dog in the fire saying this is fine because everything's crumbling around him also listen not to side and, and agree with how Brian has carried himself here, but if I was voted most likely to be a sheep and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll be fine. But then when Claudia's, we're doing the mat chat with Claudia and there's people behind me buying at me, I would feel some type of way. I would definitely then be impacted by it. Oh, totally. <laughs> Totally sympathize with him. I mean, I would be so crushed if I got voted the sheep. And don't get me wrong, I am not great at the round tables either. I go immediately into fight mode. I'm laying everything on the table, like I'm coming for people's throats. That is not much better <laughs> than having a Brian style meltdown. And if he gets through this, I actually think Brian is sitting pretty, right? Because mm-hmm. The traitors are all looking at him and being like, what a joke. Let's take him to the end. And the faithful are probably looking at him being like, oh, he's a bit sus, but actually I feel kind of sorry for him. So I think if he survives this, he can go far as long as he doesn't do anything else to fluff it up. I agree. And I do think that in the event that Brian does leave, Ash does not have that same favor. I think Ash goes immediately the next round table. It feels like right now. So if Brian survives, there's longevity for him. 
Totally. And let's just talk about that for a second, because part of me feels like there is no way Harry and Paul would flip on Ash at this point if they thought there was any chance that Ash wouldn't be going. Right. Because th- th- we, if she does survive this, this is going to be, is this going to be the first time we've properly well, I, yeah, we've properly seen the traitors mutiny and it not successfully go through. Right. Because I feel like typically we'll see a mutiny happen and then one person's blindsided, but the person that other person did leave. So they have no choice but to work. This is a full tower of four traitors where two of them voted to vote the blindsided you to vote you out and you and wait did miles vote out uh no miles voted brian so then miles and ash are going to be blindsided and that would actually make a lot of good time good tv so i really don't want to see ash leave here um i still don't see how the tide turns but even if it's for those five minutes at traders tower where they're fighting i'm here for it I would love to see it. I mean, I think the closest we've had is maybe Traitor's Tower after my elimination. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if Ash does go, Miles is cooked as well. I- I've heard a lot of people being very high on Miles. I I do like that he was recruited specifically because he has so much social sway in the house. But I think he is so clearly on the bottom if Ash goes. And because Paul has so much trust and influence in the house, it's going to be so much easier for Harry and Paul to turn on him than it is going to be for him to rally everybody else against the other two. Right. Like I am someone who I think Miles can do well in this game. And when Miles got recruited, I thought this is actually a pretty great person to have be a trader. I think would be a lot of fun. I think Miles would then be sitting at a two to one disadvantage. But I also think that what's going to be interesting is do Paul and Harry realize, well, we voted without Miles and Miles might think that he's next. So we might as well get rid of him now. Or um, does Miles end up starting to plant some seeds and kind of be on a revenge tour? Not so much that he was very close to Ash, but because he can see where the end game is looking like right now. And he sees himself not in it because I do think Miles, because his name has not come up yet, really. I don't know how easy it's going to be for you to convince people to go Miles either. So I'm very curious if there is going to be an in war between the traders. These three are kind of a very fun pairing to see play it out. Totally. And Miles is going to have to do a really good job of convincing Harry and Paul that he's with them and would have been happy to flip on Ash, which, you know, he possibly has the potential to do. Yeah, I I'm interested to see it because I feel like uh, of the four, Miles is probably the one we've seen the least of. And once Miles was given the traders role, I feel like we've seen less of even than before Miles was given traders. So we'll see where Miles goes now. We talked about some changes you mentioned at the top. They have reshaped the format. I think the number one complaint for everybody watching traders except for Peridium was the challenges are doo-doo. I don't really mess with them. They don't add anything. Why are they there? And when I try to explain to people, it's for it's like a mental break for the players because they're no, but make them matter. So they said, listen, we heard you. We're making them matter. As far as we've seen so far, uh, Annabelle, three episodes in. Every episode, there's been an opportunity for three shields to be earned within the challenge. You just might have to sacrifice a bit of your time in making the money for the prize pot and just going for the shields instead. How have you felt about it so far? 
absolutely adore it. It is having an impact on the game. It is causing conflict. I mean, it's probably one of the main reasons Kira was murdered because she was being so assertive in these missions and about the shield point. Um, and it is a reason why Zach's getting heat, why Andrew's getting heat. It's having a meaningful impact on the banishments, which I love. Um, I immediately started thinking how, okay, we've lost the shield strategy of implicit immunity because everyone confesses. Have you had any thoughts about what you would do with this new shield? So what's funny is anytime I picture the shield moment where you're not supposed to reveal, I think of you in your season when you immediately said, hey, no one say anything. Because I thought, and and I want to specifically talk about the bird challenge where a group of three was able to get it and Kira was on the team that did not get it and was definitely not happy about it because the other team had gone for it sooner. My thought was that's fine. If none of us confess to it, nine of us are safe and that is a good place to be. Now, obviously in that second group, who was it? Andrew, Paul, and I forget the third. Was it Anthony? Anthony. Anthony. So ultimately, a traitor was amongst them and would have known anyway. But I still think the move was to not say anything. But with this lot, I feel like what's really clear to me is you better say it's you because we're going to be mad if we find out that you had it, which I think does spoil what you had said, what you have basically said out there before, which is it'll guarantee all of us safety, even if not all of us have it. But I think it makes the game a little exciting, too, that this is actively causing a little beef here and there, even though, again, we always say this, the traders come in very much more advantaged in this game than the faithfuls do. This only adds more benefit to them in the long run, I think, but it is fun for us to watch. Totally. Um, and, and I'm with you. I mean, I do think where you have the opportunity not to say if you've got it or not to protect more people, mm-hmm. that's better. But I think the way it's working, that's that's going to be too hard. W- what I want to know is whether or not you can pass it off. Because if I stand up and I tell everybody I've got the shield, that gives me immunity. Now, if I hand off the shield to my closest ally, who even if they're a traitor, they're, you know, presumably protecting me as a number anyway. If I hand that off to my ally and they are a faithful, now two of us are protected because they think I have the shield and they actually have the shield. I love that kind of like you're giving your closest ally the idol, so to speak. And if you do it hiddenly, then you are safe and they'll have it. So if they get murdered, they can't get murdered. They're safe. Totally. Like if Luke and I, for example, he's my number one ally. Mm -hmm. If we are past when each one of us are winning shields and we're just passing it between the two of us, only one of us needs to get it. And we're both safe. I kind of love that. I don't see why not. I think, but you need obviously to have somebody who you've got that trust with. And we just don't know what the alliances are. Someone we've not really spoken about at all, who I have really high hopes for is Jazz. Um, Mm -hmm. Jazz, when I was reading through the bios, there was just a few things that he said that made me think, this is a man who did his homework. Um, he talks about how his plan is to come in the game and form a tight clique. Um, mm-hmm. Now, 
To me, this means he clearly listened to at least It's Just a Game podcast, which is by three of the guys who were on season one, where they talk about how there weren't really alliances, but there were cliques is the language they use, which did function fundamentally as alliances, which to me says Jazz, he kind of knows what he's doing. I'm interested to see how he goes and whether or not we do start to see these these cliques forming. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, very excited to see Jazz play. I have been upset that we've not really seen him through three episodes. And I'm trying not to let I'm trying to convince myself that you never know with traders. There's been literal seasons where someone's in endgame and we don't learn from them about them till episode nine. So I'm like, I think there's hope for Jazz. I think just hearing you say all this makes me re-excited about him and the potential of what he could do in this game. Uh, obviously, Paul did throw his name out, but Paul's the only one. So to me, that's an unofficial shield. You're not going to kill him now. So thank you, Paul, for, for doing this, for your services. Um, so I'm curious. I'm curious to how Jazz will do. But so far, it's been kind of a quiet from. But I do agree. I think having a click, having a grouping, a little block, if you will, can really save you in the long run, or at least for a very you know decent amount of time. Um but we'll see where he goes. Someone we've not talked about, and I feel like we've seen a fair amount of, is Johnny, Annabelle. Mm, yeah. Johnny Johnny strikes me as someone who almost certainly didn't do his homework. Oh, do spill. <laughs> I, he just has that vibe. I mean, he strikes me as the sort of person who's so likable that he is going to do well anyway. But just some of the, the the conversations that we've seen him have over the episodes say to me he's not thinking about this game in a super strategic way. You know, he's he's wanting to look for people who are going to work well and be team players in the missions, you know, who are people who are here for the group rather than here for themselves. But he seems to have quite a lot of social capital. And I believe he's really close with Paul. And I think whoever's in Paul's clique has the best shot at going to the end. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that they led us to believe that Johnny was on the shortlist for the, uh, sorry, the murder that ended up being Kira. But I agree with you. I think if you're in Paul's pocket, he's going to, like we said, we, we think he's going to have a little bit of hubris. I think Johnny's safe for now. Um, so are you saying Johnny's a little bit more mateship than you like? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, like I don't I don't dislike Johnny, but I think Johnny Johnny is here. He's all about honor and honor and strength, integrity, mateship. Um, and I think that's going to kind of serve him well when you've got the majority of the cast who are probably thinking a similar way. I mean, bless Diane doesn't like Anthony because he's playing for himself, but I don't know that we're going to see any fundamental changes to the meta of the game come from Johnny. Yeah. I will say Johnny kind of puts himself in whether I probably accidental, puts himself in a decent spot by telling Ross, I'm voting Sonia because you said to vote Sonia. If it's not her, I'm looking at you. I think having those two as a bit of a feud keeps him from the murder line a little bit and just indirectly helps him stay in the game, especially because I think right now there's not really anyone saying his name. There's no one looking at him uh, moving forward. So while these two faithfuls look at each other and find nothing, at the very least, if it looks like it's a bit of a rivalry, they might get kept in by the traders until they want to frame the other. 
Absolutely. And we are seeing a lot from Ross. I mean, Ross's reads are not quite as accurate as Diane's, but Ross, Ross is kind of, I think they're trying to make him our, our protagonist faithful. I don't feel like we got a faithful that I'm really behind and, and hoping can come in and save the day yet. But I think if we did have one, they want it to be Ross. Yeah, I just watched Squid Game The Challenge, obviously, in December, as in many people. And this mother-son duo thing where the mother has the better <laughs> read or handle and the son is a little bit more aloof, I think we're seeing here again. Yes, totally, totally. Because when your mom's Diane and Diane has kind of sniffed out two traitors, <laughs> um, and you have sniffed out Meg, <laughs> I don't know how good your reads are in comparison. Oh, Ross, I think Ross's main kind of contribution to this game is going to be doing all the heavy lifting to keep Diane in because she's going to need some help. <laughs> Listen, and we thank him for his services as of right now, because I feel like Diane is contributing a lot to the drama this season. And I'm very OK with seeing some more drama for now, um, for sure. Now, let's briefly touch on the challenges here a little more. We talked about the twist. We like the twist. Um, you have brought up the flappy flap a couple of times. I need to hear what your thoughts are on the second challenge of the season, which was the bird call challenge. Thanks, Puffs. Um, this, this mission felt like a personal attack. So you may not know this, Puglia, but my family moved from England to Australia specifically for the bird watching. Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled for several years so that we could travel around Australia birdwatching. So oh, wow. when we had, yes. So when we had a bird specific challenge, I was over the moon. Oh, bird call identification. Yes. Sign me up. When I then found out the blatant disrespect that they were putting on these birds, I felt sick. We're calling a hornbill wormface a puffin. It's called Flap Flaps. I can't. I'm sorry. This was unnecessary. This this felt personal. It cost you nothing <laughs> to call a puffin a puffin. Oh, my God. Annabelle, <laughs> I thought the name of the bird was Wormface. I just took it at face value. I had no idea. <laughs> See, that upsets me even more. How many people out there are looking at the majestic puffin, one of the best reasons, frankly, to head to the UK, think that they're called a flappy flap? Yeah, I've, and the thing is, I've heard of a puffin. I have heard of a puffin. Um, I, and, and flappy flap, wasn't that the iPhone app game with the bird that, that kind of was a hit in, in 10 years ago? I don't know, but I am now an angry bird. Let me tell you. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> what is, why did they do this? Because it's easier to just call it a puffin. It was violence. I don't know, but it was violence. I mean, we've seen a very odd recurring bird theme. We have Claudia Wright at the start is sending out the invitations to the castle via owl. Yes. Um, so late to the party on knowing Harry Potter's cancelled. We also <laughs> see she's kind of got this, uh, is it a chicken that's, that's hovering around her at various moments? So I think we're going to see a strong bird theme throughout this season. 
as I can think of at least one survivor out there who is loving this content for sure. I'm just <laughs> like I for a second there, I was trying to think, okay, let me let me think of why they would name them different things. And my thought was, what if there's someone on this cast? Okay, what if? What if? What if Zach also was homeschooled because his family wanted to go bird watching? And Zach knows all the birds' names by their tone. And then they can't have that because then Zach breaks the challenge. And they're like, all right, we'll rename them to it throws Zach off. Could that be a reason? I mean, Zach definitely has big homeschooled energy. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think that fixes things anyway, because right, the the stuffed puffin still looks exactly like a puffin. Like, right. Regardless of what the name tag is, if I hear the puffin call, I know I'm immediately beelining for the puffin. When I get there and I see it's called flat flaps, yes, it's probably going to take me back 30 seconds as I rage, <laughs> but I don't, it, do, it does nothing. I think they thought it was cute. It's not cute. I don't, Wormface is not a cute name to me personally. No. Total disrespect. Total disrespect. Yeah. That being said, uh, abusive nicknames aside for these lovely, lovely birds. What did you think of the challenge itself? Did you like it? I mean, it was quite uh, convoluted, wasn't it? I mean, first of all, we've got what a treasure map to get to the spot. Then we listen to the call and we walkie talkie back the call. Then they run around and find the bird. It, it wasn't the most thrilling thing to watch. I did think the first mission where they had the boats with the puzzle and we all got to laugh at Anthony being really bad at rowing. Unfortunately, Zach then decides to mock him to his face. Classic homeschooled <laughs> Zach. I thought that was more interesting. I also thought the creepy scarecrows were more interesting. Well, as much as I love birds, this one was a bit, it was a bit convoluted, don't you think? Yeah, I feel like the first one really came out with a huge bang. I love that they were all tied up and then they had to untie. And there was a question of, ooh, am I going to untie everybody or go for the shield first? And then there's in the water and then the fire and then the puzzle. I thought it was very well put together. This one was a little bit more shaky, but then also I'm trying to think of it. Well, they've had to make these challenges with the how do we make the shields accessible in mind and i did love that at any point any team could have gone for that shield and they would find out so okay so in the episode there was a moment where i thought this is incredible i love this because they were not confirming whether they just said uh, uh, claudia would say you got it right or you got it wrong wouldn't say and this was for a thousand or this was for three shields so I thought there was a moment that they're just not going to reveal that who has the shields and that's for them to say and find out. But then Claudia said that at the end and that kind of lowered it for me. I think that it was fine. Ultimately, I think the bird stuff was fun because it's it's goofy. Um, and I think maybe for a for an avid bird watcher um, or or someone who comes from a family of bird watching me for you it was not as fun and goofy, but it was kind of goofy, I think, for the normies of the world to hear people do bird noises. Yeah, you're right. It's a very niche interest. Um, <laughs> I, 
I do think with Claudia revealing, I, I don't think production likes the shield strategy of implicit immunity when you don't know who has the shield. I think they want it to be public information. Um, mm. So I I think that's deliberate on their part. Well, I, I do think if you can hand off the shield, though, I, I think that adds an interesting dynamic. I don't think that's something production can argue with. I think it makes things juicy. I think it would make it juicy too. Um, I wonder, and I'm, and I guess we have to wait for the season to end to see if that's a possibility or not. Because as of right now, we haven't seen anyone even talk about it as a possibility. But if Diane wins it, hands it to Ross, I could see it, or Ross wins it and hands it to Diane, I could see it. So we'll see if that ends up playing a role because I would love for it to. And then what was the last challenge we saw this episode, this, these series of episodes? Yeah, so this was this one where they're with the creepy scarecrows and oh, they're yes. answering these questions. Turns out Zach is more likely to be sucked in by Reddit conspiracies than Tracy. Again, believe it. Um, Brian is the sheep <laughs> and Paul is the most popular. Jasmine, we do see, and this is a bit sus in my opinion, put Puya. Jasmine says at the start she feels she really deserves a shield and then just miraculously, accidentally doesn't realize that the, the scarecrows with hats have shields in them and just Stop happens to it. get it. Don't buy hey, it. Hey, Zach, do you buy this conspiracy theory? <laughs> because... <laughs> Yeah, it's like if you say you deserve it and you're looking out for it and then you somehow missed it, come on. Come on. Surely not. Um, but it is so funny to me the way people are getting upset because some people are like, yeah, we shouldn't be looking for shields. We should work as a team. And then they happen to be one with a shield in their pocket the next challenge, which I find very, very interesting. I'm I I will say the challenge is not a lot to say about. Although, hold on. Them scarecrows were very creepy though. Terrifying. Yeah, they made me deeply uncomfortable. And I, I do think that these shield politics, because it's it, it's not so much, you know, you're a traitor because you decide to do this, but that looming fear of murder is so intense. And so that feeling of this needs to be just in the way that we hand them out can feel so intense and personal. We saw this a bit in New Zealand in one of the missions where, you know, someone like, for example, Zach in this mission throws out this idea that we shouldn't be going for the shields. We should all go for gold. And then he goes after getting gold and gets a shield himself and everyone turns on him. People have this very strong sense of, no, we need to find a fair way to do this. And if you have it, not me, that's unfair. So I do like that dynamic. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I do like this dynamic as well. Again, I think anything to add more suspicion or more things to look at is a good thing. And I think still not giving, like not having it where necessarily someone can just go on a quote, immunity run with the with the shield i think is a great touch as well and i like the precedent they're setting here where you could still get like if you win to one to any shield some people might just banish you anyway so watch out yeah i do like that and and on the people who are getting shields uh, we've not talked about jasmine but I, i'm trying to rebrand as a clairvoyant puya just to you know up my chances for the traitors albania um <laughs> I have a prediction about Jasmine. So she is a sales exec, okay? In her bio, she says, that makes me a professional truth embezzler. 
which I love. Ooh. I think that she's the most likely to catch on to Paul's BS. Okay. Um, and I think she's going to be the person who says, yeah, Paul, you're full of crap. I've been around enough sales bros to know a complete fraud when I see one. Now, I don't know that that means she's going to go far. It might mean that Paul just cuts her head off in the night, but I think she's going to be the first one to spot him. Okay. Well, I love setting out a prediction for the future episodes, and I wish I had one to match with you for, um, but I don't think I... Hold on. It's coming to me. I think Charlotte's going to be the first one to figure him out. Oof. I'm obsessed with Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. is my crush pick of this season. She is gorgeous. She is incredible. I, yeah. Come on, Charlotte. Get it together. Very much down for either of those outcomes. I would be happy to be wrong if that means you're right. Okay. I would love that. <laughs> now, in before we get in for episode two, and it's like, yep. So Zach figured out Paul. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> I would love for Zach to be our unlikely hero. <laughs> That'd be incredible. I'd be so here for it. Um, aside from that, one other thing I want to speak on about Traders UK before we wrap up and get out of here is how much I love the amount of time they put in for these personal stories and growth, not growth arcs, but kind of putting a spotlight on someone and their story and who they are and how they got here. Uh, namely, and, and I say this because we watched three episodes and I didn't feel like they left stuff on the cutting room floor. You know, I didn't feel like, oh, we didn't get enough strat. I didn't feel like we didn't get enough of the round table. I feel like we got everything and then we still had time for this. Um, specifically off the top of my head, I love that we got Johnny's full backstory because um, I did, we didn't know anything about it. And then he had mentioned that, you know, 10 years ago, he'd gone to war and he lost his leg. We learn about Molly being a disability model and what that means. And I just feel like UK does it better than any other franchise with stuff like this. Yeah, I totally agree. We get to know these people on a more deep and personal level. I feel like a lot of other um, uh, versions of the franchise don't really get into this until really late in the season uh, with the people who are who, who are still remaining. But I thought Johnny and Molly's story, stories were really great. I think, am I making this up? Did we also get to see a bit about Miles as well and, and what he was hoping from his future? Yes. hear about how, uh, yeah, Ash too. I, you're right. The UK does this really well and early in the piece. Yeah. And, and again, my biggest thing is I didn't feel like, oh, we didn't have enough time to do A, B, C, D. Like I felt like I was fulfilled at every corner. Um, and even now with the challenges, having this added element of the shields, it's made them a little bit more intriguing. Um, still not going to lie to you. I, that is still the one part of the show I do watch at 1.5 X, but the rest of it was one X and it was delightful. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here, like pausing it every five minutes and rewinding. <laughs> Hey, you got to savor the moment because we're getting three. We're coming up now with another three episodes. I believe this is going to go on for th four weeks. So. Yes. Well, I think with the, the quite large head count, that round table looked very jam packed with all 22 of them there. So that oh, should yeah. give us four weeks. Yeah, still. And, and again, just a reminder of where we're about to open up next time. We just had a round table where the votes were four to four to four to three to one, 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 one. 
And then there was a revote with uh, the three on the table to go. And there's a tie vote with a deciding vote. And that deciding vote belongs to one Anthony. And where Anthony's going to go, we don't know. But one of Brian or Ash are about to be the second person banished from Traders. Come on, Anthony. This is your hero moment. Prove Diane wrong. Banish a traitor. But also, please don't banish a traitor because I really want to see that fight. Same. It's worth it. It's worth it for those five, six minutes we get. Um, because again, if Brian is just super clear, I don't know where Brian's arc goes from here. Although if Brian's going to continue, Nash, you know what? I don't even want to wish someone to have to continue going through these breakdowns and moments like this. Because um, it's it can be entertaining, but also will make me sad. And I don't want to be sad for poor Brian. I want Brian to have an opportunity for redemption. I like the way you put that. So either way, we'll be happy is what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. It'll look being amazing. I'm loving all of these characters and I can't wait to see more from them. Wrapping it up, I've got Charlotte's my crush pick. Mm -hmm. Jazz is my under the radar, hoping more from him. And then I can't decide if my favorite character is Diane or Zach. Ooh, Diane or Zach. Okay. Um, I think we share crush pick. Um, under the radar pick, I like that you said jazz. I'm going to go ahead and not pick the same because then, you know, might be a little <laughs> dull. Let's, let's be a little different here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with, hmm. I'm going to go with Miles, even though I know he's a traitor. I'm going to go with Miles yeah. as the under the radar pick. And what was the third tier uh question you had your favorite character favorite character is a hard one you know um hmm i want to say aubrey even though we didn't get to see a lot of aubrey <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i think that's totally fair aubrey made an impact <laughs> with one episode i was so so i watched episode one and i didn't have enough time to continue watching but i stayed on to watch and see who got recruited and who got murdered and when i saw it was aubrey i was bummed out it was a sad friday in my house i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> normalize coming in in the first episode with your really extra pet with a really extra name love it aubrey you are my sister <laughs> incredible thank you so much for hanging out here annabelle i already know we're gonna have a lot of fun these next couple weeks here let the people know where can they find you what are the projects you have going on and everything else Oh, thank you so much, Puya. I'm having the best time. I'm absolutely stoked to be here. People can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Annabelle CE. Um, you can also check me out over on Babes on the Brink with Chili Philly from Australian Survivor, where we're going to be covering the Traitors US coming up. What about you, Puya? Traitors US coming up for me too. Um, of course, our lovely lovely pod father rob sesterino is joining me for that should be a good time and i just talked 90 day fiance once again after a three-week hiatus with kirsten mckinnis as my guest so you can find those podcasts here of course on the rahap ups network and also you can find me on twitter at puyaism you can find me on twitch twitch.tv slash puya that's where i am when i'm not podcasting so if you come through and check it out would appreciate it last but not least of course this uh net or this uh, sorry this podcast specifically is still in its infancy. This feed has not been around for that long. I believe we are about to hit the one year anniversary of it all. So feel free to go ahead and leave us a rating and review at the start of the season. You can do so on robinswebsitecom slash traders. That's T R A I T O R S five stars. 
are encouraged and appreciated. But hey, tell me how you feel. Make it honest. I would appreciate that. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening from Traders Tower. We have been your hosts, Flap Flop and Worm Face, and we'll see you next week for the second batch. Take care till then. Bye. <laughs> Bye.